Hey there, and welcome to What's the Story. We're an inquisitive bunch of hosts from the What's the Story team on a mission to uncover stories about faith and courage from everyday people. In doing that, we get the privilege of chatting with amazing guests and have the opportunity to delve into their faith journey, the hurdles they've overcome, and the life lessons they have learned along the way. If you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and sign up for our weekly newsletter at our website, whatsthestorypodcast.com. It's your direct line to the latest episodes and detailed show notes delivered straight into your inbox. And the best part, it's totally free. What's the Story is brought to you by Crowd Church, who fully understand that stepping into a traditional church might not be everyone's cup of joe. Crowd Church provides a digital sanctuary, a safe space to explore the Christian faith where you can engage in meaningful conversations rather than just simply spectating. So whether you're new to the Christian faith or in search of a new church family, visit crowd.church. And if you have any questions at all, just drop them an email, hello at crowd.church. They would love to connect with you. And now let's meet your host and our special guest for today. Hello and welcome to What's the Story? My name is Anna Kettle and this is a podcast full of stories about faith and courage from everyday people. Today I'm joined by none other than the legendary Matt Edmondson, who some of you may already be familiar with. He's already chuckling in the background there. Um, If you're regular listeners or viewers here there, you will know who Matt is. But just in case you're not, Matt is a husband to his better half, Sharon, and dad to three almost fully grown kids. Um, He runs his own business, specializing in e-commerce and marketing. And he's been doing that since before most people even knew what that was. And he is also the founder and pastor of Crowd Church, which is an online church for those who don't see the point of church. And we'll definitely come back to that one later. But firstly, Matt, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, How are you doing? Yeah, good. Good. It's great to be here. It's great to be on the other side. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Feel more relaxed or less relaxed? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely relaxed and I'm super, super intrigued. Uh, and it's been a while since someone's called me legendary. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I, 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 I'm very grateful for the intro. <laughs> it might, I hope I can it live might up all to go the downhill hype. from here yet, Matt. So. <laughs> no, nonsense. He's in safe hands. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely no doubt no doubt yeah. on my mind at all so Matt, i want to dive straight in actually to the kind of heart of your story because we're all about stories of faith here aren't we on what story mm-hmm. and um so if you don't mind i want to dive straight into the kind of crux no, of it. yours really um now you didn't become a christian until you were 18 which is kind of unusual isn't it because a lot of people like myself included grew up in uh, church backgrounds and have just always been Christians. But you didn't come to, mm. to faith until a little bit later in life. So can you tell us a bit about mm. why and how that happened? Yeah, I, uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's, um, you are right when I when I've sat in your seat and I've uh, talked to people on the podcast, there is a there is a, a high portion of people who are Christians because they became Christians when they were kids. Um, but yeah, not until I was 18. I I took some time out after uh, uh, sixth form um, here in the UK. So I was 18. Um, I took some time out, uh, finished my A-levels and did all right. 
had a place at university and thought, I can take a gap year. That's what they talked about at our sixth form. Go and take a gap year. That was really encouraged. And I was supposed to go to China. Um, I really wanted to go to China and teach English as a foreign language. Um, and I really wanted to go to China because I was quite into martial arts at the time. And I thought, well, I can go to the home of Kung Fu. Um, and, um, and it all sort of fell through towards the end. And what happened was I, the, the organization that I'd arranged my gap year with called me and said, listen, China's just, it's, not, it's a non-starter, Matt. It's, it's not going to happen. Uh, but we do have a vacancy at this place called Nazareth Children's Home, which is in, a, um, in North Carolina in the USA, in a small town called Faith. Uh, actually, it was called Rockwell, Rockwell, North Carolina. And, um, and they said, would you like to go there instead? I was 18. I just wanted to leave England. I was like, sure, I like America. I've been once before. Why not? Um, and so I did a bit of fundraising, raised some money and jumped on a plane, flew to America, was met by a beautiful lady who is now my American mum, uh, a beautiful lady called Gwen. She picked me up from the airport in a car that had a, um, what we would call a bonnet, what they would in the States term as a hood which was as long as a house. It was unbelievable. And and Gwen's beautiful, but she's the tiniest little lady, you know, and I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Driving Miss Daisy, where she kind of peers oh, yeah. over the steering wheel as she drives. Well, that's Gwen. And um, <laughs> it was just beautiful. So anyway, I, I sort of, I, I volunteered time at the children's home, which was, I, I mean, eye-opening beyond uh, my wildest expectations, because when you're 18, the world kind of revolves around yeah. you, doesn't it? It's like you're the center of that world. Um, and here I am thrust into this sort of place at Nazareth Children's Home and all the kids there were amazing and I loved all of them. But they all had a story which was very different to mine and heartbreaking in many ways. And so um, every Sunday I'd take the kids to church because it was a big part of their tradition. And so I ended up going to church every week and listening to the gospel. Uh, and eventually, yeah, I sort of found faith when I was about 18 years old. I, I, I remember sort of being half in for a little while. God, I'll, I'll, I'll be a Crisbo, but I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. Um, normally came to, if I'm honest with you, and it normally came down to, I will, I will do anything you say apart from I don't like the Bible theology where relationships <laughs> are concerned. Let's just put it that way. This is a bit tactful. way of putting and it. And I was, I, I was 18. Yeah, I was 18. I was like, I, I don't like this. I didn't know. And so I, I remember... Um, I came back to England for a couple of weeks. Um, this was Christmas time, 1990. When would this have been? 91, maybe. Christmas 91. I mean, it's going back a few years. Jeez. Um, and I remember coming back and I remember on the trip back home, the sort of two weeks I was here, I remember just God got all over me. And I, I can't explain it other than, you know, God got a hold of me. And, and I said, all right, God, I'm, I'm all in. Um, and so I flew back to North Carolina a few weeks later and told uh, some friends of mine who had been praying very, very hard for this crazy English fella. Uh, and um, yeah, that was the start of the journey. That was wow. when I was 18. It kind of sounds like God was on your case for a while, though. like almost that sense of him really pursuing you even before you were fully aware mm. of it. Um, do, you, do you feel like you can looking back now you see God's hand on your life in that way sort of guiding you from a young age or yeah I do because I I I I never really 
as I was growing up, I never really doubted the existence of God. I, I'd, I'd gone to Sunday school as a kid and I'd sort of remembered bits and bobs, not lots. And um, we had, you know, the old fashioned school assemblies when I was a kid, they still sort of did those. Um, and I remembered bits and bobs from that. Um, I remember making fun of Christians when I was at school because I didn't really understand them. Um, and then when I was at sixth form doing my A-levels, um, my dad and my then stepmother had a child, had a, a beautiful young girl called Amy, who is my half-sister. Um, but she's 18 years younger than me, right? Or 17 years younger than me. And so uh, dad and Tracy asked me if I'd be Amy's godfather. Um and I, th I said, sure, because it sounded amazing. It sounded very flattering. And I, I didn't really know what it meant. And then I um, I went to, I realized what it, I, I sort of investigated a little bit. And then I went and spoke to the chaplain that our school had. Um, because, you know, our school had a chaplain, because why would you not try to have a chaplain at school? And so I went and spoke to him, who was a lovely man, actually. And he was great. And I ended up speaking to him about a lot of stuff. Um, I had a lot of questions about faith and what it meant. And I ended up doing confirmation classes, okay. um, which is sort of like um, something you do, I suppose, when you're a little bit older and you maybe baptized as a kid. And I remember doing these confirmation classes, not really fully understanding the gospel, but it, it started something in me. So to be fair, when I went to North Carolina, my um, I, I think I'd already been on a journey and definitely got a, a done something with me yeah. on that. Yeah. Um Obviously, that's something that's continued because you're still here now and still getting strong. However, many yeah, years about, later, yeah. let's not count. <laughs> um, but you are still walking strong in your faith. Um, and so do you have examples of like other ways that kind of God's continued to pursue you since then? And like, did any spring to mind or? Yeah, I mean, how long have we got yeah. in a lot of ways? Because... The faithfulness of God is something that I think um, is very is very apparent to me. So I've been a Christian now for however many years, 35 some years, I don't even know, 30 years, Best 32, I can't that. count. I'd have to take my shoes and socks off. It just would not be pleasant. Um, and so, so I've been a Christian a long time. And I think when you're when you have been a Christian for a long time like that, you, my experience is you either become kind of um, a consumer of Christianity, if I can put it this way. You kind of get used to everything. You turn up to church. You have some semblance of a relationship with God. But in your 20s, it was dynamic. And in your 30s, it kind of dies off a little bit because you have kids. So then in your 40s, um, it's just it is what it is. And you just sort of feel wise and you feel like you're OK with God. Um, or you can have that kind of relationship with him where he's constantly um, sort of prodding you, if you like, or trying to trying to take you to the next level. And I think when you when you've walked with God and you've seen the faithfulness of God in your own unique ways, you know, and, and you've seen God pull through, you're just full of story after story after story. So even just simple things like, um, you know, Sharon and I, we pray together in the mornings Um and it's not, you know, it's not a lot. We just sit in that garden in the swings and we just chat for 10, 15 minutes and pray together. But even just in the little prayers, like, God, can you help me at work? I have um, this coming up and I I really need your help because I've not got time to do this and I need your anointing and I need, I, need, I need supernatural insight to understand this for this client or whatever. And it's surprising how many times even those little prayers are answered, you know, and... Um, and that's what I love. 
you know, so we've seen God work in the big things, in the miraculous things. You know, there was one time when, um, it's a story I've told quite, a, I don't even know if I've told this at Crowd, actually. I've told it a few times. I just don't know if I've ever told it at Crowd. Uh, but I remember I was working for a guy called Simon, Simon O'Shaughnessy. He's one of the, my favoriteest people on the planet. He's just awesome, Simon. And I knew him from church and I ended up working for him. He offered me a job and um, I'd, I'd, I'd left uni, got my degree, ended up working for church for a year and then just was kind of, I didn't really know what I was going to do. And Simon said, why don't you come work for me? And I thought, actually, you know what? I want to run my own business at some point. So going working for Simon seemed like a great thing to do just to go and get mentored by a Christian entrepreneur. And um, so I ended up working for Simon for however many years. And uh, Sharon and I got married. Sharon was pregnant with our firstborn. Uh, Josh and Simon came in one day and said that he just felt he was gonna he needed to sell the business and he he felt it was right to sell the business and they were going to move out to New Zealand and sort of start life again over there it was really interesting when he told me that because part of me was like oh Christmas what's going to happen um but also you know it's very exciting like god you're gonna have to do something and I remember just praying about it like god what what do I need to do here um, because I've <clears throat> I've got a pregnant wife, right? So I need to, <laughs> and, and and my wife earned more money than I did, and she was working part time, and um, I I was like, we're losing that income because Sharon wanted to be a stay at home mom and didn't want to go back to work, and so we thought that was the right thing to do before God, and now Simon is selling the business, and so we were like, okay, and so. I just, I remember praying one day and I felt God say to me really clearly that he was going to give me the business that Simon wow, was Wow, that's selling. quite specific, isn't it? Yeah, and it freaked me out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I, I remember telling this to Sharon, my wife, and I remember saying to Sharon that, um, you know, what, what God had said. And uh, she said to me, you know what? I, f- I think God's told me the yeah. same thing. So we both independently felt God say to us that that's what God was going to do. And I was like, well, isn't that interesting? So we kept it to ourselves. We didn't tell anybody. And the reason we didn't tell anybody was because I didn't want to manipulate anything. You know, if I just walk into Simon's office and go, Simon, God's told me that you're going to give me this business. Hand it over. Well, that would, that uh, would be sort would of an awkward ma- conversation if he said, well, he hasn't told me that, <laughs> wouldn't that? Like, yeah. Exactly, right? Exactly. It's that whole Except- level of manipulation, which is just not helpful. And so um, we just prayed about it. And Simon, Simon, God bless him, he sold it to somebody else. Now, let me bring in a sort of very long story short. I tried to buy the business off Simon. I believe that God was in this so much. I went to the bank and the bank were willing to loan me unsecured an awful lot of money, uh, which I certainly wouldn't give him (laughs) in my my mid-twenties at all. But they were willing to loan me an awful lot of money to buy this business. It wasn't enough, and Simon sold it to somebody else. The person that he sold the business to, for whatever reason, he and I did not get on. Um, And I can tell you a whole bunch of stories. This basically culminated with a lot of going backwards and forwards about some very unpleasant things. And I remember one day clearly God saying to me, Matt, you you can now leave the business. Um, and just shake the dust off your feet. You know that sort of scripture where if they don't receive you, just leave and just shake the dust from off your feet. And I remember leaving the the company, which had moved down from Liverpool to Derby, and I just sort of shook the dust off my hands as I left and and just prayed that, you know, God would would do something. So on one hand, I felt God say that he was going to give me this business, but 
One day I ended up resigning from that company almost in floods of tears because I, I love that business and I love what we do and I'd help build this, right? And so it just wasn't what God was saying and, and the reality of life were two very different things. And so, um, but I just, I just kept believing it. And I'm not going to lie, I just knew God was in this somehow and I, I wasn't quite sure how or what. So I set up a business, we started doing accounting, we started doing um, website design and a few other bits and bobs that you did back then, which is how I got into e-commerce and we started doing online businesses and stuff. And then after a few years, five years, uh, in fact, um, our business, the business that Simon had, basically a big part of it was we, we purchased saunas and steam rooms from a company in Germany, okay? And we, we had the rights to bring them into the UK and we sold them in the UK. So for years, I was into health bar um, design, which was great. My job was basically, let's just go fly around from spa to spa and take clients with us. <laughs> it's an awesome job, I'm not gonna lie. Um, and so five years later, that German company contacted me and said, listen, uh, we're not gonna renew the contract with the guy that purchased the business. Um, but we always enjoyed working with you, Matt. And if you're interested, we'd love to start something up with you in the UK. And so here I am, five years later, literally handed a business that five years earlier, I would have paid a shed load of money for. Um, I, you know, it didn't quite work out how I expected it to. The journey that we went on was not the journey that I expected to be on, but God was still faithful and God was still true. It just took a bit of time. And so, yeah, that company uh, was pretty much handed to me on a plate. I'm not going to lie. Um, and we spent the next few years building that business and it was phenomenal and fantastic. And I, I rejoiced every day when I went to work, just like God has given me this business, you know, and some of the stories that then came as a result of that um, and some of the lives that uh, I've managed to sort of connect with, just unbelievable, honestly, unbelievable. Great That's stuff. amazing. And I think it's, it's so um, inspiring to hear that, like, even though God gave you that promise, the timing of it wasn't necessarily what you'd expect. And actually there was mm. a real seasonal waiting and challenge in the middle there that you sort of had to mm. hold on and trust what God had said, even though it didn't seem like it was going to materialize, I guess, for a long time. I mean, that's challenging, isn't it? Exactly. Was it quite a challenging time in the middle? Like, did you find it hard or did you, did yeah. you ever waver on that? Or was it easy to kind of respond? It's a really interesting question. Um, it was hard because we had to, the business that we did have, we had to build from scratch. Now, um, Sharon had just given birth to our Josh um, and things had not gone well at the company. I ended up leaving um, and it, it went from bad to worse, if, I, if I'm honest with you. They then threatened me with legal action. Uh, for something that, if I'm honest with you, I didn't do. I know people say that all the time, but this is genuinely the case. Um, and so we had to deal with that. Um, it, and it just all got a little bit silly, really. And I was very grateful because one of the clients that I connected with while I was in that business um, just happened to be a billionaire. And when he heard that uh, I was getting involved with the, whenever the new owner was sort of messing things around, um, and sending me legal letters. He mentioned one in one of the letters, that client. And um, so I called him up on a Saturday morning one day. I'll never forget it. It was such a funny story. Um, I'd packed the car ready to go on holiday. So me, Sharon and Josh were ready to go down to Cornwall for the week. And bearing in mind, Josh is like a few months old, is, is, is maybe six, seven months old at the time. And um, 
I get this letter from the new owner's solicitors threatening me with all kinds of inf legal action if I don't do something in the next few days. And they mentioned this client's name in the letter. So I called that client and I said, it was a Saturday morning, and I said, hey, how are you doing? He says, oh, I'm doing great, Matty. He always called me Matty. And um, he, was, he said, I'm stood in the middle of the Menai River fishing, which was one of his favorite things to do. And um, he said, what's up? And I said, listen, uh, I'm really sorry about this, but I've had this letter and it's mentioned your name in it. And I was just about to go down to Cornwall, but I'm unpacking the car now because I, I felt like I needed to sort this legal mess out because, you know, when you're young, there's two things that scare you, letters from the Inland Revenue and letters from a lawyer, right? You just don't like them. And um, I never forget it. He said to me, uh, and I, I can't repeat what he said because it's not fit for Christian radio. But basically, he told me it was all nonsense. Uh, <laughs> if I was to summarise it in a polite way when I read the letter to him. And he said to me, Matty, I want you to go on holiday. I want you to have a good time. When you get back, I want you to come and see me and we will resolve this problem for you. And uh, so it was always nice to have a, you know, it's, it's always nice to have a billionaire in, the, in your corner. But the bottom line was, as good as that was, I also knew God was in my corner, which is always better than the billionaire, right? And so, I mean, a billionaire is good, better, but it's yeah. good. God's even better. And so, yeah, so he, um, I remember going to see him when I got back and him and his sort of head, uh, head of council um, got involved and they wrote me a letter, which was just fantastic, which I sent in and I never had any more issues after that. So it did get messy. It did get tricky. Um, there was lots of things going on, lots of those kind of stories, but God's provision was in every step of the way. And, um, you know, we didn't lack for anything, which was amazing, really. Um, and I and this is what I mean. I can look back and I can tell you lots of stories about God's faithfulness in that time. Um, so I don't I don't think I ever wavered. Um, but neither did I go and shout it from the rooftops. You know, God's going to give me this business. God's going to give me. I never did. We just Sharon and I just kept it on the low, on the quiet. We told a few friends, and every now and again we'd pray together over it. And yeah. that was about it, really. Yeah, that's that's just an amazing story, isn't it? And yeah, I love the fact that you kind of didn't waver, but also it wasn't didn't all come easy either. And that's so often how life is, mm. I think. So yeah, that's that's just amazing. I think, you know, you can read through scripture, can't you, and how God deals with people yeah. time after time in the Bible. It's like mm -hmm. he he's faithful, but it doesn't mean the journey is easy on the way and there's always challenge on the route. No. So, so that's so interesting. Um, it is, yeah. One of my favourite yeah. scriptures actually um, talks about how, in Hebrews it talks about how it was through faith and patience they inherited the promises. And too often in modern day culture, I say modern day culture, you know, it's been like this since I was a kid, you know, that you could, you can go and get whatever you yeah. want, whenever you want it pretty much these days. Um, and that's conditioned as I think, you know, in a lot of ways when it, where, where faith is concerned, it's like, well, if I name it and claim it in the name of Jesus, I should have it now. I, why, why, what, what, what are you talking about? Why have I not, why have I not got my healing now? Why have I not got the financial provision now? What would I want it now? Because everything's now and faith is now. Now faith is right. And so we kind of talk ourselves into those things. And, and it's, it's not all bad. Don't get me wrong, but it's when you is this powerful mixture of faith and patience um, the ability to stay constant, constancy is a good word for patience, the ability to to have faith, an unwavering faith for an extended period of time in the face of storm or difficulty is how you inherit the promises. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? 
And patience is, as you know, Anna, having kids, patience is a choice. Yep. Patience is something you have to have when things aren't going well. Yep. <laughs> and you want to scream and you want to shout and you want to get angry. Um, but patience seems to have its way. And uh, so I, agree, I, I I totally agree. You know, it's the, the, for me, the key was always yeah, faith and patience. That. Faith and patience. Yeah. Love that. Great. Adam, you kind of, um, I mean, you've told us quite a bit about sort of examples of where God's kind of moved in your life in different seasons, sort of in the past, kind of your journey into faith and some of those hard challenges. But I wonder as well if you've got examples of God kind of orchestrating situations or moving in your life perhaps a bit more recently too. Like if any spring to mind. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, if you, uh, I, I often see God's hand in business. Um, I feel I, you know, I've been in business for again a long time, um, twenty one years, twenty two years now, I suppose it would be, and it's in the day to day, isn't it, that you that you can see God move and you can see God do things, and so. Yeah, a lot of my stories tend to be all business stories. I'm not gonna lie, um, but it, it's just. It fascinates me that whenever things have got difficult, and they often do in business, because life is seasons, isn't it? And it goes up and it goes down. There's a lady who works with us, beautiful lady. Um, I won't name her, but she is a beautiful lady. And um, love the bones off her, but she's not a Christian. And whenever, because she is um, a senior in the company, she's uh, she looks after all the finances. Um, whenever things aren't going right, whenever things aren't going well, she just comes to me and says, Matt, you need to pray. <laughs> I'm like, okay, if that's all I need to do, then fine. I'll go away and I'll pray. What am I praying for, Michelle? And so she'll often tell me, oh, we need this, this and this. And so we'll go and pray. And um, she and I have seen God do things along the way, you know, in, in business, which is wonderful. And so, yeah, just a, a recently, um, one of the, we had a business and, um, I, we had that business for about 12 years, 11, 12 years. And I just thought, I remember waking up one day and just felt God prompt me um, that actually now was the time to sort of sell that business. And I was like, well, that's, this is interesting, isn't it? You know, and I remember writing it down in my journal. And then within a couple of weeks, two people had approached me to buy the business, um, which was really fascinating. Uh, occasionally, people would have approached me in the past, but nothing ever really came of it but then all of a sudden two came at once and um yeah we ended up selling it to one of those guys and it it was relatively painless uh, as a transaction and so it all seemed to work quite well you know and so um just in little things like that you'd say i say little things selling your company is right. not a little it's a big deal um we managed to one of the things that i wanted to make sure was um in selling it i was like god i i don't want anyone to lose their job because I've sold my business. That just didn't sit well with, with myself and Sharon. And so we managed to um, keep all the staff. A few a few people did move on because the nature of their job was gonna change, but they, they went on to bigger and better things. They No one lost their job. Um, but everybody that wanted to stay, stayed. And we, you know, they're still working in our business. You know, God still carried us on and gave us new things and gave us new opportunities and new doors to go through. Um, and so, yeah, they're all still there, uh, which I am super, yeah, super Yeah, that's for. awesome. Yeah, I love the fact that you've got so many examples of how God's kind of worked in, in 
your businesses and then your sort of working professional life. But it's inspiring. Um, I think so often we forget that God's like in, in the workplace as much as other parts of our lives, mm. don't we? And that's really inspiring. Yeah. But you did also, um, you did also uh, start a online church during COVID, did you not? Could you, can you tell us a bit more about that? Like, how did that <laughs> come to be? And how did, how did it all kick off? Yes. It was very unplanned. And, and I, I mean that with all, you know, often things that I do, you just, I sort of stumble in them sometimes. And um, that's actually quite untrue. I, we, Sharon and I had been feeling for a while, and certainly I had been feeling for a while that God was calling us to get involved with planting a church. Now, you have to understand my mindset. Right. For 20 years, I have been running my own business. Sure, I'd been involved in church leadership, but on the trustee board, um, I had I used to head up the 1030 service at our church. And there's all kinds of things that I've done over the years, you know, uh, ran small groups, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I loved it. And I, I'm a big believer in local church and I love church. And sure, it's not perfect. Sure, there were times I wanted to leave. Sure, there were times I was annoyed with somebody. Um, but it's family. You know, and you get over those things, don't you? And um, whilst it's not perfect, I do think it's an unbelievably good thing. And um, but I, I was quite happy <laughs> being the businessman and I was quite happy being a trustee and I was quite happy throwing my advice when it was asked for. And um, I was I, I loved doing the youth stuff that we did when our kids were growing up and getting involved in the various youth stuff, which was just great fun, such an honor and a privilege. But I was happy doing that. Um, but I also am very aware that um, I remember one time I was really annoyed with God about something and probably it was to do with church and somebody at church and I remember saying to God I'm, I'm just not happy and I remember just hearing the voice of God say to me well what are you not happy about and I was like well I'm not happy about this this and this and I just heard the, the Holy Spirit say to me that's awesome Matt but let me ask you a question since when has church ever been about you and what you get out of it I thought church was about what you're supposed to give to it. Just throwing that out there. And I just remember at that point, my whole view changed and I switched from being a consumer to being a contributor. And so I've always looked at where I can serve at church. And the youth group had finished and I was just praying, God, what's next? What's next? And I just felt God say to me, I want you to plant a church. And I'm like, there is no way I am plant. I don't want to be a pastor, never wanted to be a pastor. I had no desire to be a pastor, being a pastor and, a, and being a businessman did not compute in my head at all. I still think and maintain that being a church pastor is probably the single hardest job in the world to do. And there are reasons why I think this, um, especially in the modern world. And I think it's getting harder and harder because as a pastor, your, your preaching is compared to you know, a YouTube video that's got 100,000 views, you're, and, the, you know, the whole comms team is behind yeah. preparing a sermon in beautiful surroundings, be and, talk, and I'm right? in a little country church. Yeah, it's, it's all that sort of stuff, isn't it? And it, and comparison's quite massive. Well, and, and a lot of people complain to church pastors, and I, I don't do well when people complain. I have a very short, short-term grace uh, fuse, if you like. <laughs> and so... I remember God saying to me, I want to play, and it took, after a few years, I went to John Harding, who's a senior pastor of Frontline, so I just feel God said this to me, what do you think? And he was like, well, funny enough, I think 
as a church, we're going to start planting out churches as part of our church growth strategy. Well, that's interesting timing. So we started the church in the city centre in Liverpool. We called it Frontline City. Uh, Sharon and I started it in Gladstone's Cafe. And it was great. I mean, we kicked it off. We had 30, 40 people coming um, from various different walks of life. We had people from Taiwan. I mean, it was just amazing, you know, from all over the globe because it was in the city centre. Just started coming to our little church. And we did it in a cafe, so we cooked food at the end and we always ate together and we did worship and we did a talk and we did discussion groups and um, my kids got involved and so on and so forth. And I was loving that, actually. It was, it was a lot of work, seven or eight hours of work every Sunday. Um, and then COVID hit. So we were like, well, let's just take it online like everybody else because I'm quite happy to live stream, right? Yeah. Given the nature of my work, digital was fine. And, um, and then after a while, we... I just remember talking to Sharon and the, and the team about it and just saying, I just wonder whether we just need to stay online because this just feels right and this it's an interesting fit and I, I, I think God's trying to do something here. And so, yeah, that's kind of how Crowd Church was born. It wasn't, it was, it yeah. came out of COVID um, and it, it came out of us going online and trying to church online and then going, well, this is interesting. I wonder what we could do in this space. And so we changed the name from Frontline City because Frontline City does not make any kind of sense for a church yeah, online. Yeah, because it's not in one place. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, I, I don't quite understand what this is. I mean, we could have kept it, um, I suppose, but I thought actually it was good to change it. So we eventually we came up with Crowd based on the scripture that I think God gave us. And um, yeah, that's, that's how it was born. And, and we're still here every Sunday. As you yeah, know, you're I, in most I, of them. I am right? a fully so. fledged uh, host every now and then now. So yeah, <laughs> still going strong. It's um, it's an awesome story though, because it, again, it's almost like that kind of sense of God leading you and being, bringing different strands together that perhaps you wouldn't have necessarily, mm. you know, it's like, it kind of makes sense. Like you've got this e-commerce and marketing and broadcasting and live streaming sort mm. of background. And yeah, like you wouldn't have necessarily put that into the church context if it hadn't been from for the COVID situation yeah. and everything else that kind of forced you online initially to explore that. And then, yeah. yeah, I just, I love the fact that sometimes God's plan is sort of like unexpected, but kind of when you stand back from it, you're like, mm -hmm. oh, that kind of figures and makes sense now looking back. Yeah. Yeah. It's really yeah. interesting. That's totally right. What That's did totally you? Right. What would you say is like your life motto, as it were? Then, like, if you had kind of one piece of information or advice, or perhaps like wisdom that you've gleaned through all years of living so far, like, what would that be? What would that motto mm. or piece of life advice be? It's a really interesting question because I ask this question a lot to a lot of different people, and I often think, how would I answer this? And it, I have, I, I understand that me as a person, I have certain values, right? Um, and one of them I call undefault, uh, which is basically in modern day vernacular, it's like, well, let's think outside the box. Um, and this is one of the characteristics that I actually love about God is he does entirely the unexpected all of the time. And, um, 
you know the 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 foolishness of you know the, the foolish things of how god works and then the wisdom of the world is foolishness of god and you just kind of think it's really fascinating that whole concept how that works right and so for me i, I mean i mentioned it earlier i am a big proponent of faith that actually faith in a faithful god can change the world i have to mix that with patience um I also have to understand that I don't always hear God right or well, um, but that God can handle my failure much better than he can handle my disobedience, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I'd rather be the guy that does something and gets it wrong than the guy that sits there doing nothing because he's not entirely sure if what he should be doing is, yeah. is, is right. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Um, the way they said to this, this to me at Bible schools is it's easier to turn a car when it's moving. Um, and I think that's very true. Uh, for my life and that's just how I've approached things and God has been very gracious uh, as a result of that so um, all that to say I would say yes we have we can believe and trust in a creator God who is a faithful God and I can have faith that he can move supernaturally and I've seen him work supernaturally but I can also have faith in the goodness of God when I just don't experience what I perceive to be the goodness of God in the instance I feel like I should have it. So um, I was telling this story to someone the other day, you know, I, I remember when I was early on in my Christian walk, I came across a scripture in Deuteronomy 28, right? Deuteronomy 28 is a really fascinating uh, chapter in the Bible because I think it's the first 14 or 15 verses talk about the blessing of God right? And these blessings shall come upon you and they shall overtake you. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. I remember when I was at uni, I used to, <laughs> I told my kids this actually, they must have thought I was nuts because they're now at uni. Um, but I, I used to do this thing where I used to take the exam papers and I'd put them on the floor before I turned them over and I would stand on them. Um, and I would just, I would just say, God, everywhere I've put my foot, you have given me. Do you know what I mean? That sort of thing. And it was just a, a bizarre thing to do, but it was just me at the start of my exam going, God, you've got this. I'm just doing, I'm just hanging on to your coattails. And um, that's how I experienced the miraculous in my exam. I, I want to tell you, some people think it's cheating, but I remember at uni, I was doing Bible school and I was doing uni at the same time. And I was like, God, I'm trying to do it all, but it's just, there's, it's, it feels overwhelming and I'm not quite sure how it's all going to work out. And so I remember God saying to me really clearly one day, I want you to go into, because part of my degree was law and that was my worst module. I want you to go into the law library and I want you to go to the past exam sections. So I went in and I got to the past exam sections and I remember God saying to me, pick out that year's paper. And I picked that paper out and I remember that there was like um, a whole bunch of questions on that paper. And I, I just remember the Holy Spirit saying to me, that question there, I want you to spend the next week writing the answer to that question. It was like an essay. I just want you to do that. And I was like, okay. So I researched that question. I went and wrote an essay about that question. I had the tutors critique it and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, when it came to my law exam, guess what question was on that the one? exam paper? <laughs> that exact same question. So when I took my foot off it and turned it over, I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And I just rehashed uh, my well-researched, critiqued uh, essay. Um, so, you know, you, you see God do these miraculous things you do and, and you see them 
uh, all all through your life because bless when you bless when you come in, bless when you go out. But that is a flip side of this verse in Deuteronomy. These verses talks about the curse, right? And curse shall you be if dot dot dot. And it's just not pleasant reading. I have to be. You you don't ever want to fall under the curse of God. At least in my opinion, you don't ever want to fall under the curse of God. Um, I mean, I could tell you stories about where I think people have done that. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I've seen that in business, actually. It's a very scary thing. But one of the things it mentions in there is failing eyesight, right? It's part of the curse. And I had really, really bad eyesight. I mean, I wear readers now just because I'm an old guy. But I, I had really bad eyesight when I, was a, when I was growing up. And it impacted me in quite major ways. And I remember reading that thinking, well, that's a curse. And I've been redeemed from the curse of the law, right? The Galatians 3.13 says that. And so I started praying, God, would you heal my eyes? And I want to tell you, um, nothing happened for years. But for years, I just was every now and again, when I remember, like, God, would you heal? I just, I'm believing you for healing on my eyes, you know, because of the curse redemption thing and I, I thought I could stand on that verse and then someone said to me once well why don't you get the laser eye surgery done and it just didn't feel right to do for me at that point in time and then I remember praying um whenever it was maybe about six seven years ago and I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me I want you to go get the laser eye surgery done and we you know um we had the money uh to do it and so I went and had the laser eye surgery and I, my eyesight was totally and utterly restored. So you, you you get this thing where, you know, sometimes God, you see God supernaturally heal. Like God, I could have just woken up one day and seen perfectly. Sometimes, you know, I would still say that God healed me, but through the hands of a doctor. And all those years of faith and praying meant that when I had that operation, it went impeccably well. Do you see what I mean? Um, and so sometimes... I, or quite oftentimes you see God uh, work and move in ways which, you know, are still kind of cool, but maybe not as cool as him zapping you with a yeah, lightning bolt. Yeah. You see what I mean? But it's it's that faith and patience thing that I think is critical, that is key. Um, you know, we talked this Sunday about Jesus lifts us up out of what holds us down. And I still believe in the transformational power of the gospel. I still believe that there is a transforming God out there, but I am not stupid enough to believe that everything comes out the way that we think it should, you know, and that there's heartbreak and there's tragedy. But in the midst of that, I think God can still lift us up out of what holds us down. So faith and patience, faith, faith and, patience. and patience. I love that. I, I think, yeah, so true and such a sort of now word for so many of us, I think. So, yeah, thank you for that. Matt, I'm conscious that we're probably rapidly running out of time. Um, so we'll tie this up in a, in a few minutes, but... Um, can you just kind of give us a reminder first or where people can reach you if they want to talk about any of this stuff that we've discussed tonight a little bit more? Can they connect with you or how do they connect with CrowdChurch? Can you tell us where to find you? Yeah, CrowdChurch is online, uh, www.crowd.church. Uh, and I have to say it with a strange accent whenever I do crowd.church. Um uh, and so, yeah, Crowd's on there. You can reach Crowd on uh, all the social media. Well, I say you reach it on social media, uh, Instagram and Facebook. I think we have a dormant Twitter account, uh, but mainly Instagram uh, we're on, um, just at Crowd Church. 
Um, and me, if you want to get a hold of me, I'd love to hear from people at Matt Edmondson on Instagram. You can reach me there or just go to mattedmondson.com because uh, I have a personal website, you know. Because <laughs> doesn't, doesn't everybody? I do You've got one as well, actually, as right? Well. So it's true. <laughs> we are carefully branded people. This is the age we live in. That's why we need faith and patience. Yeah. <laughs> faith, patience, <laughs> and a good personal brand will get you through. Absolutely. <laughs> so yes, crowd.church, easy to find, isn't it? So that's good. So we'll mm. link to all of Matt's information and all of those. Uh, connections that he's just listed in the show notes and you can get them for free along with the transcripts at crowd.church or you can get it direct to your inbox if you sign up for our newsletter. Matt, thank you so much for giving up some of your time to come and talk to us today and tell us a little bit more about your story. I think there's probably new stuff in there even for people that know you quite well. So it's just fascinating to hear how your faith has shaped so many different areas of your life. So Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing that. No, I know it's been great. And we've not planned to talk about most of those things. So we, you did very well, Anna, uh, dealing yeah, it's with my good. randomness. It's good to just uh, <laughs> see what comes up, isn't it? I love it. That's what I love. It's digging into mm. real stories in real time. That's what we're all about. Yeah, yeah, it is. We're all about stories here. So, yeah. <laughs> so there you have Absolutely. it. A great conversation. And... Um, as I said, a huge thank you to Matt for joining us today. And remember to check it out on uh, crowd.church. Um, and do check out crowd.church as well, even if you don't see the point of church, because as he said, you may find that there is one. And, you know, also mm. be sure to subscribe to What's the Story, wherever you get your podcasts from. And um, you can rate us, review us, and sign up so you never miss an episode. We've got loads more episodes coming up, so we don't want you to miss out. Um, on any of them. Um, What's the Story is produced by Crowd Online. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favourite podcast app. The team that makes the show possible is Sada Bainan, Estella Robin, and Tanya Hitzelik. And our themed song is written by Josh Edmondson. If you'd like to read the transcripts or the notes, as we said, head over to crowd.church where you can sign up for it all and get all the good stuff directly to your inbox if you prefer. That's it for me and that's it from Matt for now. So thank you for joining us today and have a fantastic week. And just like that, we've reached the end of another fascinating conversation. Remember to check out Crowd Online Church at www.crowd.church. Don't forget to subscribe to What's the Story on your favorite podcast app. We've got a treasure trove of inspiring stories coming your way and we'd hate for you to miss any of them. What's the Story is a production of Crowd Online Church. Our fantastic team, including Anna Kettle, Matt Edmondson, Tanya Hutzelak, and myself, Sather Fainan, work behind the scenes to bring these stories to life. Our theme song is the creative work of Josh Edmondson. If you're interested in the transcript or show notes, head over to our website, whatsthestorypodcast.com. And while you're there, sign up for our free newsletter to get all the goodness delivered straight to your inbox. That's all from us this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye for now.